the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Well, it's actually a we finally have some decent weather. If it's not raining, it's and it's not 105 with the uh, the uh, humidity index. It's, uh, it's a nice weekend. It's hard to believe. Welcome to Cleveland. Anyway, how you spend your time is more important than how you spend your money. Money mistakes can be corrected, but time is lost forever. I can't remember who said that, but uh, uh, there you go. Anyway, um, you know, I finally have some people actually calling in for the the healthcare stuff, and and that as soon as I did, uh, the Obama, I mean, not, I mean, the uh, Trump administration started talking about uh, using certain types of drug pricing, and they he just whacked all the drug stocks. Uh, but most of these companies that I'm I'm focusing on in this report are not drug companies. So if you'd like it, you know. Um, either Bing or Google Tim Hayes Radio, and I show up. You can always tell it's me because right below my picture it says, "Remember, buy low, sell high." Um. Anyway, uh, it, our healthcare conference was a really good one, and there's lots of small and medium-sized companies that I think could have great big-time potential. So uh, while you're at it, um, you know, if you're calling in for that, get the dividend growth portfolio or our best picks and our our top ideas. I'm starting to like our ADR list more and more. The dollar seems to be teetering a little bit, as we talked about last week. So we'll we'll keep that in mind. If you want to have a cup of coffee, um, you know, just let us know. And uh, there's all sorts of email me and contact me type of thing. Uh, there we go. We have a new newsletter out for July. It's time to declare your financial independence. Should you invest internationally? And why not do it now? Uh, new research on procrastination. <laughs> also, this piece is really good, and I, I nobody's sent in for it. I know I think there've been two people sent in for it but it's called rewriting retirement. So I always know when I have something good cuz uh when everybody calls in for something uh usually it's it's the worst piece we have but rewriting retirement is for people who are 40 or 50, maybe even 60 and it's about what retirement is now, okay? It's a lot different than it was 20 years ago. So uh it it's a great piece. It it's the first step to a wealth plan and I highly recommend a wealth plan. So uh, if I'd recommend anything on the show, the healthcare conference, uh, both days, and also rewriting retirement. Okay, let's get started here. Last year, capital expenditures le- leapt 12% to $850 billion. Uh, dividends climbed 6.5% to $412 billion, and net share buybacks almost doubled to $467 billion. What we'd like to see is capital expenditures double. <laughs> that, that's my opinion. One in three millennial homeowners withdrew money from or took loans against their retirement accounts to finance their purchases. I don't know if that's a great idea, but according to the Bank of, of the West survey of over 600 U.S. adults ages 21 to 34, meanwhile, one in five millennials who are planning to buy a home expect to do the same. Wow. Divorces hit a historic high point in 1979 when 22.6 marriages out of every thousand broke up. According to the researchers in National Center for Family Mag, uh, and uh, Marriage Research at Bowling Green University, by 2017, the rate had dropped to 16.1. Uh, there's a, that's a 29% decline from the high point. So marriage is back, folks. <laughs> marriage is back. You know, um, a lot of people are concerned with the, you know, the total dollar amount of debt held by U.S. households and corporations recently. Hit, you know, recently hit a big new high, okay? And some are fearful this will lead to a deep recession. While the absolute numbers are high, what may matter most is the ability to repay the debt, the debt service level, as they call it, okay? And the total value of debt among U.S. households and corporations reached a record of $30.9 trillion at the end of 2018, more than twice the level of debt from, from 20 years prior. 
However, the debt service, the repayment of interest and the amortization of the principal relative to income is under 15% of income, which is far below, uh, you know, peaks of prior to the two recessions. So I don't think it's, you know, it, it's not great, but it's not bad either. So while consumer debt levels appear to be manageable, some new corporate debt terms, uh, remnants of, uh, previous peaks in lending. So that's the problem. You know, corporate debt, they're, they're borrowing like crazy. But they're borrowing at two and a half, three percent. I mean, Apple took out, uh, you know, a hundred billion dollars at two two point seven five percent. So um, now the estimates that eighty five percent of all leveraged loans issued last year were covenant life, meaning lacking traditional requirements to adhere to certain financial metrics. That's what I get worried about. <laughs> um, I did notice I had several questions this week. Uh, about marijuana, and I'm I'm not a big fan of marijuana, but uh, there is a new ETF for it. It's called THCX. Uh, It's got a pretty decent expense ratio and all that good stuff. Uh, So uh, for those who I told you I'd answer that question on on the air, if I I found out the answer, that's the answer. Um, That's not all uh, American-based cannabis companies, by the way. It's, It's a whole bunch of them. So the S&P 500 broke out to a new high this this week, and the U.S. core equity percent, uh, percentile ranking also continued to show market strength. Uh, it's holding steady at 95%, which is very, very good. And uh, the average score in the Dorsey-Wright system is 4.38, which is really good also. Um, so if, if we're looking at domestic equities, uh, it's mid and large cap growth, uh, especially technology and Internet groups, especially software. I mean, these software companies that I talked about in that report a while back, have just been substantial. It, it's huge. Okay, so um, it's been a situation where, uh, quite frankly, uh, I think technology is getting to a you know a point where uh, you got to be careful with it, um, especially if the dollar doesn't hold. You know, so there you go. So globally, um, you know. As the equity markets look ahead to the the second quarter results, I think the second half of 2018, um, we expect some some kind of lackluster corporate earnings growth. But remember, the stock market looks six months ahead, so they're not going to be looking back. But uh, you know that may be why the stock market has flattened out here for a while, um, and we think there could be some short terms uh, uh, volatility bursts, okay, or gusts, whatever you want to call it. But we believe the market can work through the earnings doldrum as long as trade tensions don't boil over. Um, small caps. You know, we have turned our attention to U.S. small cap equities, which we see gaining favor- uh, favorably with attractive valuations and lower reliance on overseas. Uh, you know, small caps are is the cheapest I've ever seen them in my career. So I've got a lot of names in that area that look good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for a bell or a whistle to blow, but, uh, you know, the other air, regional areas that we look, uh, you know, as the British pound falls, as Brexit uncertainty rises, Japan export restrictions could hit South Korea tech giants. It's, and there's a few other problems out there. But, you know, uh, we're seeing some decent stuff, you know, that we – anyway, we're seeing. And one of the things we have seen is that the trade uh, trade or the, the tariffs are taking a toll on global trade. And, you know, we were up to plus almost 6 percent. Uh, in a year-over-year change in trade volume, and now it's at zero, and it was below zero in January. So uh, that's some things you got to think about. Now, Lori Calcivina, our head strategist, thinks that it, um, after relative underperformance to the S&P from basically February to June, the Russell 2000 is starting to show signs of stabilization uh, this month, and, and her team continued to be concerned about a pullback in the broader market, but at this time they're more constructive on the small cap's ability to weather any potential pullbacks than large caps because large caps are up a lot and she thinks you know valuations are not nearly as concerning for small caps as they are for large currently the russell 2000 valuation is 0.7 standard deviations above average and well below peaks of two times so uh crowding is not a problem nobody's there the margin pressures materialized in small caps in the first half uh, her belief is the worst is over and finally earnings revisions uh trends have shifted downward again but her data indicates that the small caps are holding up far better than the large. Hmm. That's interesting. So we had a, a, a great conference call this week, and we talked about um, the, the, the um, current economic situation. 
And the current situation, you know, it's not the most ever number of quarters for expansion. Uh, 1991 was uh, more than that. And the real GDP growth is simply average. I mean, we're right at average if we look at all the major economic growth periods. Uh, we're at 24.9%, which is well below the 51.7 of 61 and well above the 80s of 4.4. And if we looked at the economy, uh, you know, we'd be cautious about unemployment, business op, small business optimism is a, these are all yellow lights. New, uh, is, um, supply, Institute for Supply Management new orders are, are, uh, basically a yellow light. Yield curves yellow. Uh, sentiment is yellow. Uh, ISM prices paid is yellow. Uh, the purchasing managers index in general is yellow and inflation is ba- basically uh, a green light. So that's positive. So what we're seeing is, the ISM manufacturing uh, purchasing managers index is still in, in expansionary, but it's at pivotal levels at this point. And uh, a contrary indicator is showing green light is the um, sentiment, uh, bulls versus bears. Uh, so we're seeing some stuff that we like is what we're trying to tell you, but uh, we're not seeing everything that we like. And loan growth holds steady uh, right now, and it's it's – Delinquencies are near all-time lows, and that's that's really important. And consumer debt levels are well below previous peaks. Uh, you know, they they've been up to eighteen percent. We're fifteen percent now. Um, earnings growth has been decelerating, but it's still growing, so that's positive. And the PE ratio is only sixteen point seven, which is not you know where you really have big blow-off tops or anything like that. The the one thing that's really kind of interesting is if you look at U.S. versus international returns, U.S. is blowing out international returns. Now the dollar, if you know, has been kind of wavering here, so that would reverse if that was a, uh, the case. And we also the relative performance, we we uh, growth is outperforming value drastically uh, for the first time, and it's a three-year period, and it's never outperformed. Value has always outperformed growth, except for two other times: the 1929 crash, uh, the financial crisis, and 2000. So the three bad times in the market. Uh, so small caps. Uh, are something that uh, people are very interested in at this, this point, you can see, but nobody's really taken the plunge yet. You know, you can um, hedge your portfolio using an ETF, and I, I can teach you how to do this if you like, if you want to have a conference call or you want to sit down and have a cup of coffee or something. But, you know, you, you can determine the dollar amount you want to hedge. Uh, you can find what price index you want to hedge or, or what group you want to hedge. And, and then what you can do is, find out how many shares you have. Like if you have a thousand shares, you just got to multiply the index by whatever it is to get the dollar amount that you want to do that with. And then you divide the amount to be hedged by the dollar amount each head, each put hedges. Okay. And then you determine the strike price. And uh, by doing that, like, you know, if you have a lot in the, uh, in the uh, 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 aerospace area, you, there's plenty of ETS that you can do that with. And so I just mentioned that the other thing is, you know, it's earnings season. So, you know, you either want to, if you're really worried, you want to start looking at puts or you want to start using stops. We'll be back. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. Once again, if you if you did not hear the whole show or would like to hear the whole show and you don't want to wake up 7 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> um, you know, Go to WHK fourteen twenty AM. Go to local podcast. Go down to Tim Hayes, and uh, simply you can uh, uh, listen to the entire show. And by the way, it goes directly to my web page. So if you want to get any of the materials, like the healthcare conference or rewriting retirement or a newsletter, whatever it may be, you can get it right from there. Okay. So uh, if you want to have a cup of coffee and sit down and talk about your portfolio, um, you know my phone number's there. And it's uh, email me and contact me. Uh, if you don't want to do that, my phone number is 888-223-7742. So the CRB, Commodity Research Bureau Index, has, is, is caught in a training range right now. And um, the, the thing is, is if you look at the long-term chart, it's much closer to the low than a high. And it, it is kind of forming like a head and shoulders, you know, um, formation, uh, and not a reverse one. So, you know, if it doesn't break through, oh, I don't know, um, we'll call it, I, I can't read my own handwriting. 
Uh, well, we'll call it the 90s uh, or uh, 190. Uh, we, we probably have a problem uh, m- with more deflation, and maybe that's what the Fed's trying to do. They're seeing that, uh, uh, you know, commodities are coming down, 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 down. I, I will say this. If I look at the, uh, you know, the, the RSI or, or, or even the, uh, some momentum indicators, momentum's pretty high right now, so we'll see if it, it turns back down again. Like I said, I think oil is, is one of, is, you know, which makes up a lot of the commodity indexes, CRB to be exact, uh, you know, 25, 30% of it is, is going to be a, a period of time where we've had a lot of volatility. And now I, I think going forward, we'll probably have a little bit more volatility and then we'll flatten out. Uh, and I think the reason is, is because a lot of, uh, oil companies now are going to more of a cash flow model. Their cash is king and, uh, now that they've, I hope they've got religion on this because if they do, um, you know, things could get very interesting with oil stocks. So <clears throat> we'll leave it at that. Look, I read a, a great article this week. Um, you know, investors uh, minimize distractions if they can. You know, when you're a student pilot, your first couple of solo flights remain very close to home. Airport, and basically you get up in the air and you do a couple laps around the landing landing pattern, and this is meant to get you comfortable being in the plane. And the long solo is where you actually travel away from your airport and go somewhere else. So this involves navigation, communication with the airport, and with uh, air traffic control and all that good stuff. And you know, uh, if you start to think about that and your investing career. Uh, you need to maintain a good situational uh, awareness of what's happening around us, especially with your portfolio. You know, it's market awareness. You know, sometimes things affect your portfolio that, you know, that have to do with the market, okay? And um, I, I think what you have to do is give yourself a focused time to get your priorities in line. Um, Think through the things that you need to accomplish in a given week. And, and, and you know, if you're not doing that, uh, you know, I look at, a lot of charts. I mean, hundreds, if not thousands, every day, and it's it's easy to get caught caught up in the stream of consciousness. But um, look, recently I've bought some value stocks, and I think I'm early. I don't think I'm wrong, but I think I'm early. And um, you know, some of my clients are saying, "Hey, you know, what are you doing?" Okay, and I say, "Hey, I'm buying value stocks. Here's why." And I show them, and then they understand. And uh, but I think you have to start to take a look at what's going on um, all around you, and uh, you know, be a little bit more careful now. I looked at the Treasury yield curve and the S&P 500, and they're going exact opposite uh, directions. And look at the 10-year Treasury. Now, the 10-year Treasury is extremely oversold and starting to turn up on the momentum side. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, the banks, I was, I was right on time for the banks. They made a big move, and then I did not uh, – uh, I stayed too long, although they paid great dividends, so I'm not too worried about them. I'm a very long-term investor in stocks. I am not a trader for the most part. and But there's a strong correlation between the direction of the 10-year yield index and the direction of, it, of the S&P 500. So now, uh, if you also look at transports versus utilities, if I put those on a graph, you should, you know, the transports should perform well if the utilities are performing well. Uh, so the utilities are up at the top end of their trend line. So if the, if the money starts to come out of utilities, I think they're going to transports, but the transports are still 10% behind uh, our friends at the Dow Jones industrial. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, now there's still some people think that the S and P 500 is overvalued on the earnings. And um, I, I'm not sure. I just, I just think that there's other places. Uh, value stocks are very, very cheap compared to growth. Growth is expensive at this point. Uh, and it's it's at a point where it peaked in 2000. Um, the software companies are, I mean, I sold one software company, still going up, and I'm, I'm not very sad that I sold it, but I, I made three, 300% of my money, and it's trading at almost 1,200 times earnings. So, you know, I, I think there's some things getting carried away here. And there are some really good companies that are sitting doing nothing. They're being shorted into the ground, as a matter of fact. I think that's going to change fairly quickly. So we'll we'll see what happens. But... Look, um, if you're going to buy these big, fast-moving stocks, you know, the, 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 the software stocks, because I'm not saying we're at the top yet, okay, because I don't know. Uh, 
but what I think you want to do is buy them on pullbacks. Like uh, I had a, a company called Keysight that I really liked, and I bought it. You know, it, it went up a lot, and it pulled back hard. I bought it on the pullback, and uh, so I think that's what you want to do with a lot of companies um, it, it, that you get the opportunity to do it with. If you don't, that's a whole different st- uh, situation. Uh, you know, I, I bought some Shopify a while back, and um, some people traded it, which I thought was the wrong thing to do, but uh, they did it anyway. Uh, and now it's hard to buy, so you've really got to wait for it to pull back. And, uh, you know, I, I've looked at some of the the semiconductors who have made big, big, huge moves just recently uh, after selling off kind of drastically, and it'll be interesting to see uh, if they pull back at all, because they do, that I think would be a, a good opportunity. But, um, you know, the question is, uh, stocks have rotated to the defensive sector, and I think I'm starting to see a, um, a move in the industrials versus the defensive sector. So the money isn't coming out of the defensive sector, but it is going in the industrials. And I guess my question is, where is it coming from? Is it new money or is it not new money? But... Um, you know, the, the groups that seem to be holding their, their own right at the moment are consumer staples, utilities, real estate, and healthcare. The stock uh, technology still is holding up pretty well. Uh, and then industrials have started to pick up and some, some of the energy stocks and some of the material stocks and some of the financials. So, um, you know, the, my big question again is value going to pick up versus growth. And I, I, we're at an extreme. So I, I believe that's going to be the case. So, uh, I keep, Mention that, and I'll probably mention that for the next <laughs> 10 weeks. Um, look, I, I think there, there's some people who are really worried about some short-term noise. Uh, you know, one of our competitors, Morgan Stanley, uh, downgraded the whole market, said get out. And I don't know about that. Um, I think there's some stocks I'd get out of, uh, but I, I remain bullish for the long run. Uh, bond yields are likely at another inflection point to, you know, probably heading back up. I'm not saying they're going to go straight up or anything like that. I just think they came down a lot, okay? And we've been talking about lower for longer. If you look at my webpage, you know, that we've been talking about that for some time. And I think the bottom line is is probably have another quarter of, you know, uh, wishy-washy stuff going on. You know, the the S&P is hitting a new high. It's hitting a new high with a lot less stocks than it did last time. So, uh, But the, the technology leadership remains intact, and it's all these companies that we talked about uh, about a year ago with our – with our technology conference, we're talking about subscription software companies that have been leading pretty well. We are seeing some discretionary stocks like, uh, you know, some of the apparel footwear companies, both the biggest one and some of the ones that are bottoming looking pretty good and some specialty retail uh, things. And, and banks uh, remain in a broad sideways trading range and they're very close to breaking out. So it's something to pay attention to. You know, we, we look at the weekly quadrant balance, which is measuring the percentage of stocks with positive weekly momentum, and it continues to build, okay? And and also the weekly momentum continues to build in the S&P 500. And what we're looking at the Russell 2000, and the only thing we're saying is Russell 2000 versus the S&P 500, the relative performance is not there yet. So uh, now I am seeing, if I look at the cyclical sectors versus the defensive sectors, I'm starting to see... The pullback in, in the industrials starting to reverse to the upside. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And economic sentiment, again, is um, is supportive of a further recovery. Uh, it's it's not drastic, you know, on the downside or the upside. It's it's more to the downside than the upside. And the uh, Citigroup economic surprise is, is an area where there could be some big moves up. Uh, still, the foreign markets, uh, we haven't, you know, we, we, pull, we broke out, we pulled back. Um, we're cons- we're consolidating above support, which is very very positive. Relative performance versus the S and P five hundred has been flat. Uh, now Latin America has been great, like I said, it's been, mostly been Brazil, and the ten year uh, bond yields. The weekly relative strength momentum is uh, again at the deeply oversold level, so I would suggest that you're starting to see that pull back up a little bit, and the dollar, uh, you know, which broke the short term uptrend line. Um, you know, it, it had a bounce up to 97 and then reversed hard on Friday. So I, I'm a little bit curious as the dollar is, is done for a while. Um, if that's the case, if it starts to go down, then commodities will go up, foreign stocks will go up, and value stocks will go up. If it, if it just holds its own and doesn't do anything, 
we got a different story. Then we have to, you know, we get a little bit of growth, a little bit of value, and, uh, you know, that type of thing. Now, crude oil, you know, fell down, and, and we said a couple weeks ago that it was at a 61.8% retracement of the move, and then it popped up, up to, to, to 60, and now it's pulled back right to some big supports. It'll be interesting to see if it holds. And gold broke out and held above the resistance, which was, it's now become support, but it was a, it was resistance for a while. That's very, very positive. Uh, so something's going on with gold. The junior gold index uh, probably has a lot more uh, resistance above it than the the, uh, the bigger gold stocks. And I would also say that the uh, copper is retesting some critical support near the 257 level, new 257, 254 area. Uh, that's just 200-week moving average. So I think it's going to hold here, in my opinion, um, and... It might be forming a bottom, you know, that was similar to 2016 when it made a big move after that. So we'll we'll see what happens. Now I am seeing um, improvement in, in healthcare, materials, and energy, and I'm seeing some weakening in utilities, real estate, and communication services and discretionary. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, and we're going to be right back with uh, more. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. We just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show. And this is where we talk about uh, our, what we call the bullish percent. And all this is risk monitor uh, that was designed uh, back in the 30s so that we could be bullish when everybody else is bearish and bearish when everybody else is bullish. So be greedy when there's blood in the streets and to be scared when everybody's happy and drinking champagne. Okay? So... Um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that the S and P 500 and the S and P 500 dollar weighted index have the exact same return for the year. I don't, I haven't seen that in a long, long time. So that's something to think about. Anyway, uh, when we talk about the bullish percent, all, all we're talking about is a chart that goes from zero to a hundred. Some people say, Hey, I'm not basing my investment decisions on charts. Uh, this is a chart you bet you better base it on cause you'll, you'll, Eat well. Let's put it this way: it's taught a lot of people in my time. But anyway, the the point is, is that uh, when we're in a column of X's in this chart, we have the offensive team on the field. When we're in a column of O's, we have the defensive team. And all it is is looking at all the point and figure charts out there, and saying how many are going up and how many are going down. And when the majority are going down, you better be careful. When the majority are going up, that's when you can you know make some good money. And there's two points in this chart going from zero to 100. It's above 70. That's the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. Everybody's hot to trot. The market's going to 200,000. You know what I mean? And that's when you should be fearful. And then it's below 30. And that's when everybody's crying about their portfolio. They don't open their 401k statement. And that's when you should be greedy. And right now, we're at 52%. We're up 0.5%. We're in a column of X's. So we're in pretty good field position right now. Uh, the what's even more substantial in uh, Lori Calcivina's thing about small caps is the over-the-counter index turned back up. It is now in a column of X's at 41.7, which is great field position. The world index is still in a column of O's, but it's getting closer. It would turn up at 44. It's at 40.4. So it still has about four percentage points to go. So that's something to go. So we didn't have any real changes. Uh, and I, I just mentioned that the bullish percent is in a positive mood. So, uh, you know, the offensive teams on the field, we'd like to see the small caps surge ahead or the transportation surge ahead. That would make us feel a lot, a lot better about things. But, um, you know, among the biggest questions on investors' minds today are questions regarding interest rates and trade. And is the Fed going to cut rates? Uh, they sound like they're going to, despite the better than expected job report. Are the U.S. and China going to reach a trade deal? You know, against this backdrop, the S&P 500 had one of its best Junes in history. All right? June 19, 2019 was the seventh best June ever for the S&P 500. It was the second best in the modern year since 1950, and as the index gained 7%. With last month's strong performance, the S&P 500 index notched a gain of more than 17% through the first year. Yet we're just barely above where we were in January of 2018. Now, so despite some geo, geo, geopolitical uncertainty around the globe, the vast majority of assets class 
are in positive territory for the year. U.S. equities, international equities, fixed income, and even commodities like gold and oil. That's the first time they've been in conjunction with each other for a long, long time. Falling yields have been a a tailwind for the fixed income, and especially long-duration U.S. Treasuries, as well as the 10-year Treasury Index, is down more than 60 basis points through the first half of the year. That's pretty good. So, like, look, um, some styles like growth and some individual stocks have outperformed the broad market this year. The biggest benefit to investors has come from uh, making an asset class level allocation to the more heavily invested risk on assets such as U.S. equities. Nobody's there, though. So far, people have taken $250 billion out of equities. So in a grand bull market, they're sitting on the sidelines. Hmm. Uh, but the S&P 500 did break a spread triple top this week. That's a very positive thing. And if I was looking at, um, you know, you know uh, some of the returns, I think we're like in the top 15 all-time uh, first half of the years. <laughs> uh, but it's funny, in 1933, we were up 57%. We finished the year uh, July to December, we were down 6%. So a lot of the years we were up big in the first heart, part, we were down big in the second half uh, or flat, except for 1908 and 1954, uh, or 55, I'm sorry, and 1995 was the other one. So, um, you, you know, most of the time when you're up this big, you got to be careful the second half. I think it's going to surprise some people. Now, I looked at all the indexes and, and I you know, the Dow and all the other ones, and, and most of them have had positive weekly momentum now for four weeks with the exception of small caps. This has got a second week now. And what I think is really interesting is most of the charts look good long-term. Short-term, they were a little shaky there for a while, but long-term, they looked really, really good. So, you know, so one notable observation we wanted to bring to your attention is the fact that the S&P 500 and the S&P 500 equal weight are tied in terms of year-to-date performance. Now, um, this is 18.66%, by the way, through 719. And you recall these two indexes uh, own the exact same 500 stocks. However, the the equal weighted gives one vote for each stock where the market weighted gives several votes to the bigger, bigger companies. So it's very unusual that they are, are at the exact same amount going forward. Okay. So they're both up 18.66%. And I've been doing this a long time and I don't remember that happening <laughs> like ever. So, uh, usually the, uh, the last couple of years is the equal weight index has outperformed the uh, the market uh, market capitalization weighted index for for some time. So um, now, if we look at cap weighted Nasdaq, and we got that exposure versus the QQQs as well as the cap weighted small cap exposures to the IJR, both outperformed their equal weight counterparts over the past ten years. Um, so what we're saying is it's been a concentrated effort, not a a spread out effort in those in the in the in NASDAQ composite and the Russell 2000. Um, and if you look at the, you know, the cumulative performance since 2008, equal weight exposure was the winner for large caps by way of the uh, RSP um, and the mid caps, but not the QQQs and not the small caps, which is interesting. Another thing is large caps, mid caps, and then the NASDAQ 100 have all seen a 50, 50 split over the last 12 years. So, so far this year, equal weight and cap weight exposure are right in step with one another, which is really, really unusual. Uh, so from a broad market perspective, equal rate remains favored long-term, just so you know, which can, you know, if we look at our dynamic asset level investing that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us with, you know, it's, it's a good thing. So we, so how many groups are, you know, we look at the bullish percent for the groups too. There's 40 groups and there's still only five that are, that are favored. Uh, the rest of them are unfavored, so that gives you an idea that you know the market's going up, but it's not going up with everything. Electric utilities are way up there at eighty-five percent. Uh, waste management's at sixty-five, and that's that's not a bad place. Uh, wait for a pullback, I would. Aerospace is at fifty-five. Uh, protection services is at fifty. Those are a good place to go, and and telecommunications at thirty-five. Now we do have so- several groups that are unfavored that are in bull confirmed status. That's biogenetics, computers, drugs. Forest and paper products, healthcare, household goods, precious metals, restaurants, uh, software, textiles, and transport. So what we'd like to see them do is reverse back up into favored status. The other thing is we have five groups that are under 30, or 30 and under, I should say, 
that are not favored. So we want to look for them to turn back up and drugs are there again, retail, oil, oil service, and steel. I did notice there was a lot of options traded on U.S. Steel this uh, last week. Uh, I think it was Thursday, a big, big uh, percentage of options traded. And uh, I mean, you know, 13, 14,000 of them. So maybe people are, that's usually a bullish strategy, by the way. When when you buy the calls, you're looking for the stock to go up. Um, so very interesting scenario. I, I looked at international equities and, um, you know, it, it was funny. Um, if, if I looked, uh, well, the country with the highest correlation was the United States to, to oil. Okay. And it's well known that a variety of factors move the equity markets, both domestically and internationally. One of them are factors as commodities and, and no commodities featured more prevalently uh, in the financial news than crude oil. And so what's interesting is the country with the highest correlation was the United States. Okay. In fact, developed countries dominated the top correlations. The countries with the lowest correlations was surprisingly areas with were the Philippines, Brazil, India, uh, and Indonesia uh, that actually have negative correlations to crude oil. Uh, by the way, Brazil is up big this year. And so is in India. So, that, that's kind of interesting. And I, then I looked at the um, uh, the fixed income uh, area, and, you know, it was interesting because the 10-year Treasury broke a double top. You know, it got, got all the way down to uh, 1.95 and then inverse backed up. But, you know, it's a 2.12 as of Friday, uh, but it broke a double top at uh, 2.05. So it would be interesting to see if, you know, uh, if it continues up, et cetera. But, um, you know, the, the FYX, which is the five-year yield, had given five straight sig- uh, sell signals also and remains that way. So uh, the 10 years out of the woods, but uh, uh, so interest rates are popping back up a little bit. It'll be interesting to see. If you look at uh, the, the best areas to be in is the U.S. government long bond. If you would have bought that this year, this time last year, I mean, you'd be up big, really big. Um, it all, all, most of it is long duration or convertible bonds that, that are in the best shape. I have been noticing a lot of municipal bond ETFs on my machine this week, and we'll see how that continues. But as far as commodities concerned, um, oil has been positive now for a couple of weeks. Uh, most of the, the indexes have been positive for a couple of weeks. Gold for eight weeks, copper for three weeks, and corn, which had been up for about six, uh, well, about 10, 12 weeks, has uh, finally um, uh, cooled off a little bit. And, you know, the most, the best performing commodity this year which I think was really, it surprised me, was iron ore. You know, iron ore was around $63 a ton. It's now up to $120 a ton. And, uh, you know, I own some Rio Tinto, not a lot, but uh, and I, I've looked, been watching BH Bulletin, but they've made some pretty good returns. Uh, you know, and with iron ore up that much, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, if, you know, uh, BH Bulletin broke a double top and then pulled back, so... Who knows? But be interesting to see if those stocks continue, uh, or if this iron ore situation continue. You know, iron ore is primary um, earth metal used in smelting process for steel. It's a secondary commodity that has been in the news throughout the past two years as a as a frequent subject of trade tariffs. Uh, so, although steel is used across the you know industries worldwide, no nation depends more on steel as uh, as both input and output than China. So. Uh, it's interesting to see that, uh, um, you know, iron ore in stockpiles and, and steel output in China is down drastically. So it's a, it's a story of supply and demand. All right, we'll be right back. You never give me your money. You only give me your funny paper. Okay, uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. This is where we talk about um, uh, insiders. Insiders know their companies much better than we do. They buy early, just so you know. And uh, when they buy big and they buy in clusters, you should pay attention. And I'm not talking about 1,000 shares here, 1,000 shares there. I'm talking millions of shares. <laughs> All right, millions of dollars. I noticed there's a company called Soliton. Now, Soliton's an interesting company because they have an ability to take tattoos off. 
And they also have an ability to get rid of excess uh, fat cells. And I, I don't know if that's FDA approved yet or not. But I did notice that the CEO uh, who's and president bought 35,000 shares at about $14.62. The CFO bought 21,000 and uh, one, three directors bought 15,000. Another bought 35 and the chief operating officer bought, bought 16,000. So, um, you know, that's a lot. And there's a company called Remedex who bought 357,000. So, um, they they are they're uh, a money manager for biotech stocks and things like that. Also, uh, car auction services, which I own, um, the chief executive officer bought sixty three thousand three hundred thirty seven shares. Then he bought another fifty six thousand. Now this split, car also had the international auction service. IAA is a symbol. Car is K A R. And so the, this is the, they're buying K A R at this point. They're not buying I A A. So. Now, Starboard bought a, a bunch of this uh, several months ago. Starboard's pretty uh, pretty smart money. Ten others bought KAR. Uh, so they bought the restricted stock KAR. We'll find out if they buy IAA soon. Uh, G3 Apparel Group, uh, which is down drastically from uh, the 50s back in October, uh, now 29 and some ch- uh, change. The president and CEO bought uh, a million, 55,000. Uh, and he hasn't purchased in a long time, so that's kind of interesting. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Now, here's an interesting one. Uh, Perceptive Advisors uh, they're bought Modus GI. Uh, they bought a million shares at three. They, are, they now own 4.2 million. And Larry Feinberg, who runs Oracle Partners, bought an, a million shares, too, uh, at three. Five others bought between five and uh, 10,000 shares, including the chairman, who owns a boatload of it. I mean, a ton of it. Modus has a product for uh, making it much easier to do uh, scans of your bowels. And so it'll be very interesting to see how that goes. Uh, also, in Trexon, which is a big Randall Kirk holding and has got killed, uh, you know, in July, Randall Kirk bought uh, 28,000 uh, shares and then another 146,000 shares on July 2nd. Back in June, he bought like eight, nine million dollars worth of this in Uh These guys are the ones that have the, the product for mosquitoes and a few other things. Uh, there's per- Perceptive uh, Group has a great CAR-T product. Uh, but the there was one, two, three, four, five, six, six people bought, uh, including the CFO, the chief operating officer, about 10,000 shares each. And then the uh, uh, the COO bought 14,000 uh, and a couple other guys bought 14,000. So quite a few buyers back in June, Kirk bought 1.2 million, 2.5 million, 665, and then 998. So he bought quite a few dollars worth and, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, here's another one, uh, Edos therapeutics. And this is kind of interesting because, um, Savit, Ali Savit, uh, Savat, I'm sorry. He's a director and beneficial owner, but an, another 882,000 shares or $26.3 million worth. He now owns $24.5 million or shares, 24.5 million shares. Uh, we also had another director bought, bought 822,000 shares, uh, just like, uh, so, so quite a few buyers here. And also Bridge Bio bought that same amount, and uh, they all have like 26 million shares. So we also had four buyers in June of 21,000 shares, so. There, there we go. So that's uh, Edos Therapeutics. And uh, Verizon Communications, we had the CEO, uh, uh, Dwayne uh, Ronan Dune. Um, he, he's the CEO of, of Verizon Consumer. He, he bought 100,000 shares. The CFO bought 94,000. CEO bought 88,000. Uh, then all the different unit groups bought between 80 and uh, 70 and 80. And then the chairman and CEO bought 172,000. So uh, Verizon is not letting the price uh, bother them one little bit. And also Sinclair Broadcasting, this is the second major buy we've seen from this guy. Um, uh, Dave I, I, uh, uh, Snit, I think is his name, $21,760,000. Uh, he bought $50 million just a while ago, so there you go. All right, now uh, this is where I kind of tell you what I'm thinking, and um, a couple things I've seen is, look, the recent 
rally uh, on oil has been making headlines, although the move is much smaller than the kind of rallies oil has seen in the past, just so you know. We view the uh, current move as being another rally with a longer trading range. I think what you're going to see, look, we made a lower high in 2014, and, and I had been saying for some time on this show that we had plenty of oil, and we have plenty of oil. Believe me, the Permian Basin is bigger than all three of the Saudi well sites were at their at the beginning, okay? So they got a lot of oil. And I think oil has been volatile, but I think it's going to eventually get, get flat for a while, for maybe four or five years. And I, I think if the the oil companies are going to make money, they're going to make it on a cash flow basis, not on uh, whatever. But Now, look, uh, the S&P has moved to an all-time new high, and um, this has captured the attention of most everybody on CNBC and has made, you know, for good headlines. But what we've seen is a type of event before. Uh, you know, it's happened in 2018 in January. It happened um, in September of 2019, and it happened back in uh, April of this year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if we get, you know, the type of pullback or it continues up. Um, the three other previous moves to new high over this period did not lead to a major breakout to the upside. So what we need is some help from the transports, and we need some help from the small caps. You know, remember, you know, when you go to war and you're the king or you're the knights, you know, it's good to have the foot soldiers and the archers with you. And you also want the the transportation of you want to bring your cannons up. <laughs> you don't want the cannons sitting back at at the base. You know you want to be able to bring them up. So you want your transportation working with you also. So that's kind of a uh, uh, you know we're, we're looking for the transportations and the and the small caps. Now I'm going to talk about this again. You know we talked about gold. We sent this out to everybody, and gold's held its breakout. It's very very positive. Uh, I think that uh, it's been a very you know, we've been talking about this for three months now, so it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise to you. But, <clears throat> you know, the fact that it held is very, very important. It's held for a couple weeks now. So uh, I think it'll, it'll just, you know, kind of calm down, and then we'll start another move up. And uh, I, I think, you know, you want to be looking uh, to get some gold exposure. Uh, you know, I always have 5% in, in most of my accounts and, uh, you know, whatever, but... Look, we, we kind of had like a little bit of a normal pullback, and um, and now we've we've gone forward. And what we need to see is things to develop around, you know, not the same stocks all the time, because that's not healthy for the stock market. As a matter of fact, if that continues, I'll probably get more bearish than I would get bullish. But in the meantime, if we spread this market out and the small caps, I got, I mean, look, I look at thousands of charts a day, and uh, I mean, uh I, I could tell you the the small caps are have been basing for a long, long time, and if the bell rings and whatever the bell you know what causes the bell to ring for them to turn up, uh, I'll know about it. And I've been watching. I I even got the names. I know which ones to, to look for. That type of thing, um, and th- they will turn up. The other thing I think you have to look for is with the dollar. Okay, the dollar is a key thing here right now because um, you're if if it starts to crinkle a little bit, growth stocks are going to fade. And they'll fade quick, all right? They're, you know, the value stocks will start to pick up. We're already starting to see, like Friday, we saw the industrials. Emerson was up big. Lincoln Electric was up big. You know, names like that starting to pick up, okay? And we've, we, we just talked about iron ore. So if we have, you know, we have gold breaking out, okay? So these are normally value orientation. So you remember that. Now, the Emerging Markets Index is also a dollar-oriented scenario. So the dollar goes down, emerging markets go up. As a matter of fact, you probably want to shift your money to more emerging market bonds if you're in the fixed income area. And the emerging market index is starting to, you know, is, is, is bottoming, okay? It's made a bottom, broke out, pulled back. Uh, that's what you like to see. Now, look, if I looked at the S&P 500 versus the Russell and the transports, the, the S&P is up 19% for the year. Russell's only up 15 the transportation is up only 13. You don't want that. You want them all about the, you know, doing about the same thing. Okay, so uh, I think you want to be a little bit more careful with that. And and um, uh, you know, you, look, I, I just think you just want to be paying attention, uh, making sure that the the transports break out, and also that the Russell starts to do better. Uh, so we we have a breakout in gold. So maybe there's some inflation coming back, or maybe. The dollar is breaking down, and it'll be dollar-based inflation. Who knows? In the meantime, uh, what would I do? Well, I keep telling people, you know, if you're going to retire, 
get this rewriting retirement uh, book. It's 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 about twenty pages. It's dynamite information. Um, you know, I, I highly recommended along with the wealth plan the combination of the two are fin- phenomenal. Also, our healthcare conference. Uh, you know, look, they beat up the drug stocks, but the healthcare stocks held in really pretty well. Okay. And I think they're going to, to continue. And, and there's a lot of names in here that are mid-cap, small-cap, which are very attractively priced. And the analysts love them. I highly recommend it. In the meantime, our dividend growth portfolio, I'm not talking about our prime income list for a while, simply because interest rates are down a lot, and I think they're going to pop up a little bit, you know, bounce a little bit. Uh, and that'll be the time to be talking about the prime income list. And then our best idea list. Uh, also, ADRs, if the dollar does break down, the ADR list will be a place to look. Uh, there's several names there that have big dividend yields. Um, you know, I mean, look, this is, I don't think this is on the list, but uh, there's some foreign stocks out there like Glaxo, where the, the company's been buying back their own stock. Uh, you know, 5 million shares here, 5 million shares there, has almost a 6% dividend yield. So if the dollar goes, goes down, some of these names will start to go up just because you can buy more in dollar terms, okay? Uh, so th- those are some areas I'd, definitely take a look at and uh in the meantime uh if you only heard the end of the show and you want to hear the whole thing remember you go to whk 1420 am uh hit the local podcast go to tim hayes it goes it takes you directly uh you can look by the way you can listen to a lot of podcasts because it goes back about a year and also it brings it directly directly to my web page so if you want any of this material just hit the contact me or email me if you want to have a cup of coffee the number is 888-223 7742. That's 888-223-7742. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Uh, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.